all around the AL West, plus a discussion of the head-to-head points format. Jen Piacenti of SI.com joins us next on Beat the Shift. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast, presented by Fangraphs. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always is Ruvain Guy. How are you, Ruvain? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Lost a nitty-gritty, tight softball game last night. We were 2-2 going to the last inning, and first and second, two outs. Pop-up, left field. I, I, I jump up and down. Great, we got him, and the left fielder in short center didn't coordinate and it dropped and they uh won the game three to two so i'm not sorry about upset. that I've, I've had to miss a couple of my games because i've had a couple of weddings and other functions to family functions to go to but hopefully that's all my rear view mirror all good things only good things and i can now focus again on baseball and our boys the mets have uh been losing a couple of games to the astros past two weeks uh not too thrilled about that huh no, but, you know, it's still midseason, and a lot of things can change, and they still have the best record in the National League, so that's something. This is true. But I do know somebody who is thrilled about the Astros winning. Uh, she writes for Sports Illustrated. Welcome to the show, Jennifer Piacenti. How are you, Jen? I am great, guys. Thank you so much. You're right. Uh, as of right now, and these c- things can change, of course, the Astros are performing very well versus New York teams. So, yeah, I am, uh, I've got a smile on right now. Yeah, no hitter against the Yankees last week. Uh, unbelievable. And tonight's show is the AL West episode. We'll go around the AL West, including the Astros. But before that, we'll talk a little strategy. And I want to talk tonight uh, about a topic of uh, sort of format of, of leagues. Um, uh, in Tout Wars, I play in a uh, head-to-head points format, Tout War head-to-head. Uh, I won it two years ago. Last year, I made it all the way to the finals and got beaten by Frankie Stamfel. Uh, CBS, uh, kudos to him. He did a great job. Just crushed me that last week. And, you know, this year, um, I'm doing well if you count the points. I'm doing well if if I wasn't playing the best teams every week. But because it's a head-to-head kind of format, I'm in eighth place of 12 with five wins uh, because of the matchups. And I did a little bit of calculation, and if I played every team every week. I'd be in fourth. And if we just went by points, I'd be in fourth. But the ma- the format hurts me with that. So what what's your feeling, Jen, on the head-to-head format? Because this also applies to football, right? Football, people play head-to-head, right? I'm going to say welcome to fantasy football. This is the whole thing about fantasy football, right? There's a little bit more luck involved because you're right. It has to do with matchups and where you where you match up and how you match up. And you can have one, you know, really great week, but you happen to – finish you know the second most points and you're facing the team that had the first most points and you both would have obliterated any other team but you're facing each other and this is the thing about head-to-head points leagues and so you can see that as part of the fun of it uh, like people do with fantasy football or you can see that as a major disadvantage and not much fun and I think for us as baseball people it's a little more frustrating because I don't know about you but my preferred way to play is often rotisserie leagues where I feel like everything's calm and can be figured out over the course of the season and cool heads will prevail and 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 so it's tricky with the points leagues and and that's why a lot of times if you're a commissioner of a head-to-head points league one thing to consider is when you're figuring you know your playoffs maybe there's also a slot for you know 
most points overall. There's a way to figure that in, you know, the people that may not have the best records, maybe a record doesn't necessarily always supersede uh, the points total. So there's always ways to tinker with that and work with that because yeah, the head to head points, very difficult in a 162 game season. Yeah. I mean, it's a short sample size when you have only 20 games or so and uh, you happen to play there and you're booted out of the playoffs because of that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like that suggestion of, you know, well, you know what? And, and playoffs are fine. You know, in baseball, there's playoffs, right? All the, way, sure. all the way to the end. And sometimes the best team doesn't win. That's fine. But I, I like to have in my leagues the best teams really making it the playoffs. And maybe if there's six playoff slots, you give the first exactly. six. Oh, sorry, you give the first four, four. to the, mm-hmm. yeah, four to the head-to-head and maybe the last two to the next points people yep, right? that's what you know that's what i would suggest i would suggest yeah the, the four teams with the best record obviously get in and then the next two slots go to the teams with the next most points i feel like that's the most quote-unquote fair and it kind of it kind of gives an advantage to both ways and it still keeps you playing every week and interested every week because the other problem is let's say you have a really long string of bad luck and you just get frustrated and you just stop setting lineups well it doesn't matter if you know you're still accumulating points you still feel competitive all the way to the end of the season so it also helps with people kind of dropping out of the league yeah, exactly. And, and the other two suggestions are um, you can play multiple opponents. In, in, in my football leagues now, you don't uh-huh. just play one opponent. You play two opponents each week. And really? that, yeah, and that neutralizes some of the luck of just drawing one bad opponent. And what, what, what I do in some of the high-money football leagues is everybody plays the median or the average. So mm-hmm, the mm-hmm, top mm-hmm. half, like the, there's 12 teams, the top six get a win. The top, the bottom six get a loss, and that equalizes it a little bit. Ruven, what, what are your thoughts on on the uh, the head-to-head points format and what you would change? Well, I don't think I change anything. I mean, I'm in a couple of head-to-head leagues. I'm in one baseball one. I'm in a couple of football ones, and in the football one specifically, there's a payout in the is our home leagues. There's a payout for the top points, so you're always going for the most points anyway. I really don't like the fact that. For uh, for a head to head, anything can happen during the, the course of the week. Injuries can pop up, especially it's different than football. Football, there's one game you know they're going to play or not. For seven games, you can have a player play one game, then be on the aisle for the rest of the six games, and you lose those stats. So what I have in in my home league for head to head, we have daily. So we're able to make daily changes, and that makes it so much more exciting because you can go into Friday, Saturday, Sunday thinking, okay, I need this. Let me pick up this guy. Okay, I need this. I need to pick up this guy, and it makes it so much more interesting that way. Yeah. How are you doing in Tout Wars, by the way, Jen? Oh, terrible. It's been just a terrible season for me, unfortunately. And I'm frustrated because we did our draft, I mean, so early, way before the strike. We didn't know when baseball was going to start. So I feel like a lot of decisions were made. And, you know, I I drafted Jacob deGrom before he was injured. I dropped, you know, there was just a lot that was yet to be decided discovered we were the first tout wars draft so you know we we drafted early before we knew a lot of things before there was even spring training so it's been a little frustrating and i'm in the league with the um innings pitched and saves versus holds option so it has a slight twist on it Uh, i think i finished fourth last year um this year i keep you know i'm in the bottom six just clawing around trying to to move up the boards but hey I, I'm also struggling in our league. Ariel yeah. um, was up in fourth like a week ago and just, you know, but these things happen. You know, you you get into slumps. My hitters are slumping. My pitchers are still pretty strong, but uh, hopefully a little all-star break will do them so good. 
Some and that's and that's what head to head can help you with because if your hitters are struggling and your pitchers are doing well, at least you'll get some of the points there. You can still salvage some points that way. Yeah, and I, I am in some head to head points leagues, um, and they're very interesting. I'm in one with Tristan Croft from ESPN and Michael Fabiano, and let me tell you, this one's this one's pretty cruel. You get you know minus points for walks, you get minus points for your hitters striking out, you get. <laughs> It's pretty hard to figure, but it's also really fun, and we do make daily moves. So there is a lot of fun in the daily head-to-head points leagues as well. Are you, are you a fan of daily in general? I know I know we played last year. Our, our league, GDD, was daily, and this year we, we went to weekly again. Well, are, are you pro-daily, against the daily? What are your attitude? I go back and forth. I used to be only daily. I love daily. I figured, why are you doing, why aren't you doing this if you're not doing it daily? Because that's how baseball is. And I loved the micromanagement of it. I thought it was phenomenal. But now I have so many things going on in so many leagues that I actually am grateful for just setting it and forgetting it for the entire week. Um, And just saying, you know, it is what it is. Just relax and chill out, make your smart decisions on Sunday and trust yourself. But yeah, it does stink when, when a guy gets injured on in the Monday game and then you know you're without Liam Hendricks for instance for the rest of the week and you could have made some substitution there but you know so I would say I will always want to have at least one daily league because of the different strategies there but in general I prefer these days to just do weekly lineup locks yeah much less work and and there's a lot of work that goes into it Um, I will say though that on the fan tracks platform they do have the option that if your player goes on the IL midweek you can replace them in your lineup for the rest of the week. And I think that that is a much better way than just say, you're screwed, you know. I agree 100%. I wish that all of them were that way, and that's one of the nice things about Tout Wars. And sometimes there's even been a few times I've forgotten that I even have that option, and then the day after I realize I could have made the move, I'm kicking myself that I missed that time because it's so rare. I do think that is an advantage and certainly a reason to use fan tracks for some of your leagues. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, going to talk about the AL West tonight, and uh, at the top of that is uh, your favorite team, the Houston Astros. Uh, you got to be happy with that tremendous division lead they have so far. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Fangraph projects the Astros to make the playoffs with something like around a uh, 99.8% probability and 99.3% to win the division. Uh, that's that's kind of crazy as we're not even half the way through the year. I don't know. I don't even know if that's really accurate. I mean, ninety nine point eight is is so remote. It's like one in five hundred <laughs> chance of not making it. That just to me that doesn't sound <clears throat> doesn't sound exactly right. But whatever. Um. Uh. But in any case, uh, who who do you think has been the Astros MVP to date? You know, that is a really, really tough question because there actually are a lot of guys playing MVP quality, if you will, if I'm giving team level. Um, but I would probably say it's Justin Verlander, but it's hard to not say Jordan Alvarez. And it's kind of hard to still not say Jose Altuve, who just went into New York and put on an absolute masterclass in hitting. So it's really tricky, but I'm going to say Justin Verlander because I don't think anyone quite expected what he's been able to do and his durability, not just his ability, but his durability. The fact that he can give you eight strong innings and in general, this entire pitching rotation that is pitching volumes and volumes of injury innings and so far has even avoided injury, you know, knock wood. So I'm going to give it to 
I'm going to give it to Justin Verlander because I think his leadership, everything about him has really elevated the Astros to another level this year. But it is awfully hard to overlook Jordan Alvarez, who I'm sure you guys have spoken about at length um, because it's hard to ignore what he's doing this season. But we'll stick with JV. Moving. I'm actually going to say none of the players that you mentioned. I'm actually going to say Kyle Tucker because look at the Astros record on April 24th. We're talking about most valuable player for the Astros, not MVP for the league, but most valuable for the Astros. On April 24th, the Astros record was 6-10. and 10. Kyle Tucker is batting 127 with two homers, four RBIs. And those two homers and four RBIs was the first game of the season, albeit. Since then, his average is up to 256. 15 homers, 51 RBIs, and what's the Astros' record right now? They're 47 and 27. So they went from four games under 500 to 20 games over 500 once Kyle Tucker started going. So I think there's maybe a connection there, and I actually think Kyle Tucker, yes, Jordan Alvarez, he is being, he's having an MVP type season. But when Kyle Tucker turned it around, it seems like the Astros turned it around. Yeah, and I'm gonna say it's Jordan Alvarez. Uh, he leads the team in WAR with 3.6 so far. I mean, it's almost a seven and a half WAR season. For, for a player, it's phenomenal. He's batting 316, 23 homers, uh, and he's playing every day. Uh, that's the key for the Astros, mm-hmm. that he's been healthy. Um, a lot of good options. Uh, I mean, Justin Verlander, I, I have to tell you, I, I did not think that Justin Verlander was going to do this. Um, you know, the question was when we projected his innings, how can you project a guy coming back to just have have uh, such a fantastic innings? He's actually second in Major League Baseball. That's right. In innings, that's isn't that incredible <laughs> at, at his age. Second in innings. Would you have thought that before the season started? I wouldn't have thought second in innings, but a lot of people were asking me, and I thought he could go 180 just because I, you know, he was healed. For he had been healed from the surgery for quite some time. He could have potentially even pitched in the postseason last year. He opted not to. And just because Justin Verlander is such a workhorse and his work ethic, I I felt like he would still be AL um, Cy Young candidate. And and a lot of people said, no, that's ridiculous. And he was like, I think, 14 to 1 plus 1,400 odds. And I said, no, I think that's a great value. And everyone was laughing at me. They're like, he's not going to have the innings. And I was like, well, I didn't think he'd have this many innings. But I did think that he was one of the best draft day values and someone that I would take futures odds on. And he has been the bright spot of most of my um, pitching staffs on my fantasy teams. I, I don't think I have a single team where I don't have Justin Verlander. Because wow. to me, the, the value is too good. And you can see, you know, in our GDD league, um, I think I just slipped out of first in ERA. But my pitching is doing great. It's my hitters that stink. But Justin Verlander is a big reason why. Do you think the Astros are going to cut down on his innings because they don't want him to burn yeah. out like a Max Scherzer did like last year because he hasn't thrown that many innings. He's, he is coming off the surgery and because of his age. Do you think they're going to tell him to rein it back a little bit or maybe skip nope. a start here or two so he'll remain fresh? No, I don't think so. Not unless really? he asks to. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why. But first of all, I just have to point to Dusty Baker. And if you listen to Dusty Baker talk, he likes his aces. And he likes his horse. That's what he calls them. And when we asked him, when he was asked this week, you know, the bullpen's kind of tired. How long are you going to let Justin Verlander go? He said, Verlander will be my navigation system. And Verlander quickly went and pitched eight innings. So they're going to trust him to do what he wants to do and listen to him. So I do not think that pitching staff is going to say, hey, you're shut down now. I think it's going to be all Justin Verlander himself. Incredible how these older pitchers just just, uh, 
keep doing it and doing it. Um, you know, you, you always say, why pick an older pitcher? There's risk. Uh, these older pitchers, uh, pound for pound, have really held up. Um, Verlander, 10 wins, leads MLB. He pretty much leads the league in uh, whip. Uh, innings, the only one who's who's way above him, which is incredible, is Sandy Alcantara, 115 yeah. innings. Uh, that's just that's just insane. Uh, but, yeah, Verlander, fantastic. Um I'm assuming that the Astros will be uh, buyers, not sellers, at the trade deadline, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, what mm-hmm. what are the Astros' needs? Obviously, they're a pretty well-rounded team. Starting rotation looks pretty solid. Uh, I guess people can always use bullpen help, but uh, aside from that mm-hmm. and maybe including that, where do you see the Astros looking for outside help, uh, if, if any? I think it has to be center field. So, you know, they're rolling with Jake Myers now. Uh, that's great and everything. But the the only mistake really that the Astros have made in the last few years is letting George Springer walk, probably, if I would say they made a mistake. You know, I think, you know, we can debate Correa Pena, uh, but, you know, they were very smart about locking up Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve with those early contracts when they're kind of younger in their careers and locking them for a long time. And that's what they've done that has kind of created this dynasty, if you will. And George Springer walked. In the meantime, we, I mean, Jake, fine. Uh, you know, he's fine. We have people that can roll around out there. It's nice that Jordan Alvarez has been playing outfield, but the real there is still a bat kind of missing at the bottom of the lineup, and, and I don't think that it's Jake Myers. That being said, I guess he's responsible for some of the success they're having right now versus the Yankees as I look at this box score. But I think that they could definitely use an upgrade there. Um, in terms of Myers, do you think that he's worth a pickup in fantasy right now? Nah, not unless you're in some kind of a really, really deeply. Because honestly, he's going to have to prove that he's a, a lot better than Chaz McCormick and Jose Siri. And not that they've been that great either. But, you know, he's been injured. He was good for the very short span he was with the Astros. But he doesn't have this long track record where you're like, well, even if he slumps, we got to stick with him. They don't. You know, they could make some changes there. So I. I wouldn't say Jake Myers. I don't know what he really offers you that's so spectacular that you would put a claim in. When I look at who's available on waivers, I I don't see Jake Myers standing out. I actually love Jake Myers. I liked him last year, and I like him this year, and I think he could be a pickup. He's only owned in 5% of CBS leagues, which is crazy because he's playing almost every day. In 2021, in the majors, 260, six homers, three stolen bases, and in the minors, 343, 16 homers, and 10 stolen bases. And with Brantley out now, Jordan out now for for a little bit, hopefully, um, the, he's going to get his playing time. He is going to play. So if you need someone to play, if you need someone to fill in, he's not a guy, bad guy to have now. For the rest of the season, it all depends if they make a trade for someone. But I think for at least the short term, for the next couple weeks until Brantley's able to come back and be fully healthy and not just DH, then I think Jake Mars is an ad because he has tremendous upside. Uh, so far, 40% strikeout rate, 0% walk rate in the short sample size so far. Um, now, I'm not really keen on him either. Uh, I guess if you're in an AL-only league short-term, sure, he's getting at bats. So he's batting eighth or ninth, so you're not really getting that much. Uh, Ruben, back to you. Um, Lance McCullers Jr., um, what is the story for him, timetable, and do you expect any fantasy value from him? I know in GDD, uh, Derek Cardi and I picked him up uh, earlier this year uh, uh, in the reserve draft, and we just put him on our IL saying, Okay, maybe we'll get half a season of something. What's your expectations for him? 
Well, the most recent thing that came out about Lance McCullers, we know he has no UCL damage in his in his shoulder in his elbow. Um, the most recent report is that he's throwing 91, and he and he's just starting now to be able to throw his curveball. It's it's we're taping this on Ju on June 30th or basically the beginning of July. He hasn't thrown a curveball yet. He's I don't know how much you're gonna you can expect fantasy wise out of him because he's not gonna be it's gonna take a while from the build up and then you have and if his fastball is only at 91 and he's just starting to throw his curveball he's got to get his he's got to get the velocity back up. I mean Chris Sale had a had a rehab start today and his first pitch of the game was a 95 mile an hour fastball. He's ready. Lance McCullers still has a while to go, and do you really want to put Lance McCullers in your lineup, let's say, uh, end of August, beginning of September, when you need when you need numbers, when you need a lot of innings out of someone? I don't think he can be counted on. Yeah, you agree, Jen? Yeah, I do agree. And, and interestingly, when we were talking about, you know, if they add a bullpen piece, I think that Lance McCullers may actually end up being that quote-unquote bullpen pin piece as they go into the postseason, you know, and he did serve that way uh, sometimes in the past. So maybe he does a little bit long relief. Um, so I think Lance McCullers will be useful in real life baseball, but I'm not sure he's going to do a lot for your fantasy baseball squad. Although, listen, if you have unlimited IL spots, then keep him. Yeah, right, right. No, that's a good point that he probably will be used as a bullpen arm and uh, that, you know, them getting ready to the, the, the getting to the postseason, they've almost got locked up. Uh, but the, the focus, I think, is getting him to be something effective uh, in the in the bullpen in the postseason, even if it's a one inning, two inning stints as they come. Uh, last question on the Astros. What are your thoughts on Jeremy Pena so far? I mean, 2.4 war so far. He looks to be the real deal. 127 WRC plus, nine homers, six stolen bases, 275 average. Uh, and he looks legit to me. His strikeout rate is 24%, walk rate 5%. So uh, that has a little bit of room for improvement. But other than that, I mean, we, we, um, in the minors, he's done better than that. So I'm thinking maybe it'll take a year for that to stabilize. But, oh, man, uh, even with that, he's having a fantastic year. And you mentioned Carlos Correa. Uh, you know, the letting Correa go sounds like the right deal because he's really filling in all of Correa's numbers right now. Yeah, it's really kind of extraordinary. The only thing he isn't doing that Correa did is being that team leader, if you will. And that was kind of Correa's role also to kind of be the villain uh, for the 2017 situation. Correa really took that on. But Pena's a nice, fresh face. And what's so great about Jeremy Pena is watching him play defense. You know, he's a really, really good defensive shortstop and still young, which means he still has a lot to learn. But he seems to fit in really well with the crew. And he has a little bit of pop, as you mentioned. Mentioned. His bat can definitely get better, but he has potential for that. And of course, most of the time right now, he's hitting at the bottom of the lineup because who are you going to move uh, for Jeremy Pena? You're not going to move back Altuve, Bregman, probably not. He's finally starting to heat up. You're not going to move Jordan Alvarez, uh, Kyle Tucker. So as he gets better and he has more competition, maybe he can sometimes step in for that Brantley role. I think Dusty had him batting second the other day. It went okay. I think he's going to get challenged and he's going to get better. And I think it's really exciting. He was not on anyone's radar. Talk about another player. I think he was 24 to 1 odds preseason. I did take that bet uh, to win the AL Rookie of the Year. And right now it looks like a two-horse race between he and Julio Rodriguez also in the AL West. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael Brantley, we talked about him on last year, last week's show. He's batting 288. That is his worst, his worst <laughs> batting average in a season that he played games in since 2013. I mean, that's crazy. 
the Astros must know what they're doing because they just let Correa walk. If you look fantasy-wise, they almost have equal value, which is crazy. So they knew what they were doing when they're letting Correa walk. Yeah, and now they have this money, right? So they can make a move at the deadline if they need to. I don't know if they will, but they've got, what, $35 million extra dollars now. So we'll see. Scary good. Scary good there. Uh, let's move on to the Angels. Um, let's talk a little bit about fantasy. Who has been the Angels, not MVP in baseball life, but the fantasy MVP this year? God, this is a really tough one. Um, but I, it, it obviously it's a two-horse race again. I'm going to say that it's Mike Trout. This is a tough one. But I'm going to go Mike Trout still. Uh, even though it's a down year for Mike Trout, he's still, you know, tied for second place in home runs with Jordan Alvarez. He's only batting, what, 282 or something like that. So it's a down year for him. But you know that's going to heat back up. And uh, he was going sometimes as late as the second round, which blows my mind. So Mike Trout, just a perennially good player. Yeah, he doesn't steal bases anymore. So, of course, Shohei Otani is the other guy that's been lights out and might win an MVP. But right now, I think they're neck and neck in uh, MVP voting as well, as far as the sports books are concerned. Do you agree about him being the fantasy MVP, Trout, or is it somebody else, Ruben? It's 100% it's Trout. Trout's war right now is four. And if you want to talk about Otani, Otani as a hitter, his war is 1.7, and as a pitcher, is 2.3. Now, if you're using Otani in fantasy, you're probably using him either as a hitter or as a pitcher, unless you have unless you have the option of having both, and you're not getting one of those. So if you're losing one of them, you're probably using the hitter part, and you're not getting those fantasy stats that you were expecting, especially if you drafted him higher. Trout is bringing you back exactly what you expected when you drafted him, and the first round, beginning of second round. That's where he's he's 12th overall in fantasy in a 5x5, five five. So it, or around 12th. If that's the case, and you get back that value of the 12, on the 12 seed, that's exactly what you want at that point. You don't. It'd be great if he does better than that, but you're not expecting him to do better than that, and you don't obviously you don't want to do worse than that. So that's exactly where you want him, and I think that's why he's the fantasy MVP. I disagree with both of you. I think that the fantasy MVP is Taylor Ward. You know, you had to pay a first round value for Otani. You had to pay a first or second round value for Trout, depending upon the format you were in. It's true, they are have performed as first round players, but Taylor Ward cost you zero and he's now about a $20 player in a 15 team league came in coming out of nowhere 312 average 11 homers 41 runs and he hasn't let up he's currently on a 10 game hit streak uh he leads off every single day he's got some trout guy and otani guy behind him to bat uh taylor ward to me is the fantasy mvp because he has earned the most profit uh, for anybody, you could have drafted. If you had to pick one, I would have rather have Taylor Ward and pick somebody else in the first round. Not to say that those people, uh, Trout and Otani, haven't earned everything. I mean, uh, uh, they're they're fantastic buys. Uh, if if you have them in your roster, you're jumping up and down. But if you're Taylor Ward, I think you're through the moon. Uh, that's just my opinion on that. Um, do you think the Angels will be sellers or buyers at the deadline? I mean, they're far out of first place, but. Nah, could they make a playoff run? Uh, it's kind of tough for me to say that they're going to be sellers because look at the way that, that they're constructed. With Trout, Otani, uh, you got some of the young guys there. Like, What what parts would they even sell off? Uh, they might be a Stan Pat type of team. But what are your thoughts on, on what they're going to do at the deadline, Jen? Uh, my thoughts are the same. I think they stand Pat. They have a good enough 
you know, team that there is still an idea that they could make a run for it should things fall the same way as you mentioned. They've got Trout, they've got Otani, they've got Taylor Ward, they've got Brandon Walsh. They have a ton of talent. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that I really see them buyer being buyers because I don't know what one piece would fix them. Obviously, we need to be pitching. That's the thing they're the most lacking in. Uh, but, you know, I think they may just chill and stay stay as they are and, and hope for the best. But I, I'm not always good at predicting these things. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ruvain, you know, if, if they were to trade, it seemed to be that, that uh, they would trade for an infielder. But other than Jared Walsh, I don't really see any infielder doing anything. And from a fantasy perspective, are there any other infielders on the Angels that are even worth rostering in, let's say, like a 10 to 12 team mixed league? Not really at this point. I'd probably stay away from them because there are better options elsewhere. But down the road, it is possible that Taylor Wade, Thomas Tyler Wade, can get you some stolen bases later in the season because he has that. He can get stolen bases in bunches. He's not really hitting right now, and he's playing all over the place. I didn't really like the way that um, that the original Angels manager, um, Joe Madden, actually put him to use because I just don't think he was used properly. I think he was overused and overexposed. I don't think he's an everyday player. But as a part-time player, if you have a 15-team league, when the Yankees used him, they used him as a part-time player, and he racked up those stolen bases a la John Birdie. So he can break out like that, but otherwise, if you want to take a waiver on him, that's fine because I'm sure he's available in most leagues. But at this point, otherwise, stay away from everyone else. Now let's move on to the Texas Rangers. And before we do so, time for the Injury Gurus Trivia of the Week. Well, as we're going to talk about the Texas Rangers now, the main Texas Ranger who's having a great fantasy season is Martin Perez. Martin Perez is pitching out of his mind this year. His ERA right now is 2.22, which is 7th best in the majors, 4th best in the AL. The trivia for this week is, what was his, or around, what was his career low in ERA before this, and what year was it? Jen, any oh, guesses? Oh, God. It, it, I, I actually wrote about this um, a few weeks ago. I think it was something like 4.2, and I think it was, I'll say... 2019. Yeah, I, I I was looking him up before we started. Uh, something I, I would have said something around four and a quarter, and that would have been maybe 2016, 2015, something like that. Well, you both are off. It was three six two back in 2013, nine years ago with the Texas Rangers. As a bonus question, who led the team in ERA that year? Do you know? 2013. Who led the Texas Rangers in ERA? Colby Lewis. Good guess, but no, he was he was earlier. Okay, I have no idea. <laughs> um, Rangers have had such a terrible. I used to be a Texas Rangers fan. Pitching was not exciting, minus Nolan Ryan, minus Don't Nolan know. Ryan, and minus you Darvish. And oh, you Darvish, Darvish. that's correct. You Darvish. People, people forget he's been on so many teams that's since right. then. People forget he's on the Rangers. That's but right. the question is, Jen, Martin Perez. His ERA, is this all mm-hmm. smoke and mirrors? Is this going to continue? Do you think he's continued to play in fantasy? Or is he going to come, is, there, is he going to fall back to earth? I mean, it's a great question, but eventually you say like, hey, if it ain't break, broke, don't fix it. And he's got something that's working right now. He's just, you know, generating weak content and he's not a high strikeout guy. I don't know, but it just seems to be working. He's had a, you know, couple starts this month that weren't as good but that being said as you said on the season that's still sparkly sparkly era so 
I, I think you have to keep rolling with it. It's not like there's a lot of great pitching options out there. So if you're dropping Martin Perez, why? Okay, so for June, his ERA is 3.90. That's still pretty darn respectable uh, compared to a lot of pitchers out there. So I don't see him going anywhere, and I don't see you really taking him out of your lineups um, unless you have a really phenomenal pitching rotation, which most of us – don't have that good of a pitching rotation that we don't need someone like a Martin Perez. Yeah, I mean, Perez, uh, he, I'll say this way. Uh, he's shown market improvement. Right? He's not the same pitcher from last year. He's actually gotten better. The ERA of 2-2-2 is smoke and mirrors, but the whip, which is 116, I think is just mirrors. I think he needs smoke. So his strikeout rate is really the, the best it's been, and the walk rate has been the best it's been. So he's gotten that there. The home run to fly ball ratio is at 2.4%. League average is closer to like 15%. Uh, that is a hu- due for a huge, huge correction. Uh, he's not going to be able to have the two ERA. There's going to be home runs flying. It's going to correct. Now, uh, the his Sierra is high threes. Uh, projection systems are somewhere in the low fours. I think that's about right. Projection systems, though, have him at about a one three one three five whip, reverting back to what he's done. That I think is not true. I actually would bet the under on the projection systems. I think the one one six whip, maybe that's a little bit low, but one two one two five. I think that's a better indication. So we're talking about somebody who's going to have stats that. Uh, let's use uh, Marco Gonzalez as a good comp. Somebody who has the ability to to mm-hmm. just eclipse the four-year array, help you in games, go innings, uh, have a, something, a decent amount of strike FP relevant. Uh, I think we're talking about like a $5 fantasy baseball pitcher in a 12 to 15 team mixed league going forward. So fantasy relevant for sure. Not like he was before as just a streamer, but definitely not uh, this, this league leading type player. Do, do you agree with me? I agree. And I think it has to do exactly what Jen said. Who else are you going to put in there instead of him? Maybe you'll get a, a two-star pitcher to throw instead of him, but otherwise what you have now is a lot better than what's on the waiver wire. Yeah. Talk about uh, Nate Lowe, Nathaniel Lowe, as he goes by. Um, talk about expectations rest of season for him. He's really on a hot streak right now. And maybe the best way to talk about Nate Lowe is to compare him to some other comparable first baseman and maybe do a who'd you rather. Uh, well, first of all, what are your general thoughts on Nate Lowe, and can he really sustain this? I mean, he he's, he's hitting 10 home runs, 278 average uh, for the full season. He's a $12 player in a 15-team league, which is fantastic. And it looks mostly sustainable, maybe the average a little bit lower. Uh, but, I mean, he's shown this kind of power last year. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's good. He hits the ball really, really hard, and he hits it pretty well, and, and that's what you want. And like you said, first base, it's not like it's a totally stacked position, so I'm happy with Nathaniel Lowe. I don't think he's going to keep up with this ridiculous clip. I mean, what is it? This month, he's got how many home runs? Seven home runs, and he's batting 307. I don't think that's going to hold, uh, but that being said, I, I don't see why we should expect him to fall off a cliff in any way. His May was a little bit down, but overall, as you said, hitting 278, 10 home runs, 32 RBI, and he even uh, swiped an extra bag in there one day. So, hey, good for you, Nate Lowe. All right, so let's do a little bit of who'd you rather. Would you rather have Nate Lowe or would you rather have uh, Trey Mancini? Mm, I think I'd rather have Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe, Nate Lowe. I agree. More power. 
More power. I, I agree. What about hometown guy Yuli Guriel? Yeah, I hate to say it, but I'd rather have Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe also. Nate Lowe as well. Luke Voigt? Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe. Not even a question. Okay, mm-hmm. so I got to go a little bit further up on this as uh, we, we, we're good with that. What about Christian, Christian Walker? I'm still going to go Nate Lowe here, but I do like Christian Walker a lot. It depends what your roster needs. You need more power. I think you get Christian Walker right now. He's not hitting for a high average, but Christian Walker is giving you much more home runs than Nate Lowe is. If you want a more stabilizing batting average, then you go with Nate Lowe. Yeah, I'm going to go with Nate Lowe. What about Luis Arias? I'm still going to go with uh, Nate Lowe, though, because he has a high enough batting average. I mean, Luis Arias is going to really help you in that batting average category, which is really important this year because I believe the league batting average last I checked is 242. So if you can get a guy that's hitting 340, that is a phenomenal help. That being said, Nate Lowe has got the power and a, a well above league average batting average, so I'd still lean Nate Lowe. I'd actually take Arias here because Arias, because of the batting average, number one, and he scores a heck of a lot of runs, and he's eligible almost all over the place. So he's a lot more flexible than Nate Lowe is. I like Arias better. Unique profile. There are very few people who can do what he do. Uh, Nate Lowe is more replicable on the waiver wire. Uh, So for that reason, I like him better. And especially if you're with a lead in fantasy, if you're like in the top two of your league, uh, I like him for lower risk, Arias. I think he's more steady in his value. Nate Lowe is going to have the ups and downs. What about Brandon Belt? Uh, Nate Lowe again. I didn't realize how much I liked Nate Lowe until you started <laughs> giving me this game to play. Yeah. yeah I, I go Nate Lowe also just because I think okay. he's going to stay healthy while Brandon Belt can never eat, seem like Correct. stay healthy. Joey Votto? Uh, still going to go Nate Lowe because as much as I love Joey Votto, he's he's – taken a marked step backward this year. I'm going to go Joey Votto here. Joey Votto usually has a very good second half of the season, so I think I'm going to go Joey Votto here. I'm going to go low. What about Ryan Mountcastle? Is this now too far up? Yeah, I would stick with Mountcastle. Yeah, I agree. And Jared Walsh? Definitely Jared Walsh. Yeah. What about Max Muncy? Some uncertainty with the... uh... Oh, I think I'd go with Nate Lowe right now. I just don't trust Max Muncy. Right. Yeah, Muncy has a torn UCL. He's going to need surgery, just like Bryce Harper will eventually need surgery for his elbow. So he's, it's like a ticking time bomb waiting to go off. I'll give you two more. Jake Cronenworth. Nah, I'd stick with Jake Cronenworth because of his positional flexibility, uh, yeah. which is just invaluable. I agree. Yeah, same, same here. Uh, last one, DJ LeMay, who another position guy. Oh, I'd stick with DJ. Yep, I agree. Uh, I like Nate Lowe over DJ. I don't. I don't fully believe in DJ. Um, That's fair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> being a, being a, being being an Astros fan, you say that's fair, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> being someone who rostered DJ last season and got you know <laughs> hurt, I'd say yeah. that's fair. Okay. Uh, I think that LeMay, who's a product of the bouncy ball uh, back in his good years, and he has not been the same since. Um, the Yankees are a really good team, so he's going to score a lot of runs. Uh, but I think the Yankees are also overperforming, so he'll score less as as a pace as the rest of the season goes on. Uh, but I, I, that gives you a good idea of where uh, Nate Lowe is, and uh, definitely his value in his stock has gone up. I don't think he, he – I think he's legit, uh, just overperforming on the batting average, but I think the power is real. He's like a 20-homer player with a 260 average, let's say. He's probably good expectations mm-hmm. going on. Uh, going on to the Mariners – 
Um, this, I'll go to Ruvain first. You know, the Mariners seem to be underperforming as a team this season. They seem to have more talent than you think, but yet they're still reinforcing it. They traded for Carl Santana. Do you think the Mariners are going to go on a second-half run like they did last year, Ruvain? I think it's going to depend on everyone coming back from injury. They have so many guys on the I.L. Tom Murphy's on I.L., Luis Torrens, Ty France, who hopefully will be coming back next week, Evan White, Mitch Hanniger, who's not going to come back until possibly the end of August, Kyle Lewis, who uh, we don't know what's going on because he's dealing with a concussion, Taylor Trammell just went on the I.L. There's so many places where they're injured that it's so hard for them. One of those guys has to come back and really put a stamp on it because right now, uh, they're just, I mean, if Sam Haggerty starting in right field, if they want to make the playoffs, that can't stay. They called up Justin Upton. I'm, I'm not going to say he's washed up, but an older Justin Upton because that's what they need right now. They're so bitten by the injury bug that I don't think they're going to be able to recover from it. Yeah. Let me ask you this way, uh, Jen. Uh, Jared Kalanick, um, mm-hmm. do you think he, when, I should say, when do you think he gets called up back again? When will he, and if, will he make an impact? He's doing well in the minors right now, but every time he comes up to the majors, well, it's he's been a always little... doing well in the minors. Yeah. <laughs> he's always, I mean, he's always doing well in the minors and it's always like, okay, this has got to be it. It's Jared Kelnick time. And then he gets up here and I don't know if he gets stage fright or what happens, but it's incredibly frustrating. And as you mentioned, half their team is injured. They, they are on life support. They, they traded for Carlos Santana and they're using Justin Upton. That's how with spit and bailing wire, they're trying to put together their team and they're still not bringing Jared Kelnick up. So... It seems like it has to be inevitable, but even if it is, I think we all have to temper expectations. And of course, you stash him if you can, if you have the room. But I, I've been so disappointed in Jared Kelnick because I really want Jared Kelnick to beat Jared Kelnick. Well, we we don't we don't we don't want we don't care. I have a good question here. <laughs> Who's going to have more rest of season value, Jared Kelnick or Joe Adele? Because they both have success in the minors, and they both can't seem to put it together in the majors. <sighs> I think Joe Adele. With that reasoning, shouldn't yeah. Kalenic stay down for for the rest of the season? I mean, remember, he's one of the products of not having a full 2020 minor league season. I think they called him up too soon. I don't think he was ready. Maybe that's the case. I mean, Joe Adele's been up and down many, many times as well, and he has to work on cutting down his strikeouts. Um, but I just think there's more opportunities for Kelnick. Right now, there's just there's look. I'm looking at this Mariners team right now, and it's just wow. There's there's nobody. At least the Angels. And we talked about how poor their infield was, but um, I, I, that's. I just think that they they need they might need him more in, in Seattle. Not that he's better or deserves to be here more. Just a case of need. Um, I wouldn't touch either of them with a ten foot pole. Uh, I, I don't think they're helpful in the short term. Dynasty is something else, but. For this year, no. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jesse Winker, Jen? Do you what, what do you do with him in fantasy? I mean, I, I've dropped him in our ten and twelve team leagues, fifteen team leagues. I don't know. I've traded. We traded him away in labor. Uh, just I'm sick of him, and just I don't have the confidence that he's anywhere near what I paid for him in draft. He has had a decent June: four homers, two sixty-seven, good walks. He's been walking at twenty percent clip this month, but uh, now he's been in a brawl. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. He him? was on my best alert list at SI for this season. I just, you know, 
I think he had an extraordinary year last year. And But if you remember all the years before that, we were like, this guy has great contact skills and he has some power. This is going to be Jesse Winker breakout year. And we believed that for two or three seasons. And then finally he had it. And he had it at Cincinnati Small Park, which is nicknamed that because, hey, it's pretty easy to hit for power if your home park is Cincinnati. That being said, he didn't have terrible home run splits. Um, but it just gives you a little bit you know, a little bit more of a bump if you have a nice home ballpark. Right now, he also just has a terrible home ballpark for hitters. So all of that together, I just, if you have him, you're not dropping him. I don't think you're dropping him uh, in deep leagues because I don't know who you're going to get that's a lot better because, as you said, he's starting to heat up. Um, But I just think we have to be okay with the fact that Jesse Winker is more like uh, 2019 Jesse Winker at best, and he's definitely not going to be 2021 Jesse Winker this year. Yeah. I want to move on to saves. Uh, You know, talking about the Mariners, and we'll talk about the Athletics, the other team with some closer uncertainty. Uh, Right now, to date, Paul Seawall leads the Mariners with seven saves, Diego Castillo four, Steckenrider two, and a couple of others with one. Uh, there's also lurking Ken Giles. I don't know what his injury status. Ruben, what is Giles' injury status, and who do you think, Ruben, will lead the uh, Mariners for the rest of the season in saves? Well, Ken Giles was activated off the I.L. I think they may end up easing him back into the closer role eventually because I think he's more of a, has a closer mentality than Paul Seawald. I think Paul Seawald ex- excelled great when he was in the eighth inning role. He was really good. I'm not saying he can't be a closer, and I'm not saying he's going to end the season with the most saves. I think Diego Castillo is going to end the season with the most saves. I really think that they're going to end up flip-flopping and with Castillo to close and with Seawald in the, in the eighth inning unless Ken Giles throws a monkey wrench there because right now Ken Giles seems healthy, but I don't know if he pitches. I don't follow the Mariners totally, but I don't know if he pitches on back-to-back days. I don't know how much they want to push him so much because he is coming back from a serious injury. What's your take, Jen? It's a tricky one uh, because we don't see Scott Surveys really make commitments to closers, right? He just seems to be a little bit random. But over the past week, there were four save opportunities. Seawald got three of them, and the one he didn't get was a back-to-back situation. So I think he's leaning that way right now. You know, we saw Diego Castillo really correct his stats during June. He had a .82 ERA, a .27 whip over 11 innings, and he had 14 strikeouts along with that. So Diego Castillo is someone that could be in the mix. And, of course, yeah, Ken Giles. When, when you go out and get Ken Giles, your intention is for Ken Giles to be the closer so you can't count him out he hasn't given up a run or a hit uh and he's given he's struck out five um in his three innings so far that he's pitched since he's been back so yeah it's hard to guess but if you're looking right now if you're trying to bird dog saves I think Sewell is the guy for this week but if you can stash and look deeper I think Giles and Castillo yeah they're both in the mix the question is how many games are there going to be for them to save? And when you start splitting up the pie this much, you know, don't overspend with your fab budget. Yeah, I'm going to say that. I believe it's going to be SeaWorld's going to get the most saves for the rest of the season. However, I believe A, Castillo and others are going to get a share of the saves. I don't think it's going to be a straight. I think it's going to be a, not just a full committee. I think SeaWorld will get the lion's share. Uh, and I also will say that I believe by the end of the season, it's going to be Giles. I think that Ruben's writing that they're going to ease him to the role. So I can see the month of September, Giles taking it over. But until then, I think it's going to be primarily Seawold. So that's what I would say, which basically makes this bullpen situation not fantastic, other than Seawold does throw strikes. So if you don't want to play a 
Uh, if you have him on your roster and you don't want to play a good, uh, a crappy seventh starter, sure. Except that SeaWorld costs money to get. He's not like a uh, Michael King that, you know, nobody really is spending money on him. You can just roster him uh, for free. He costs money because he does save games. So uh, it's kind of hard for me to, to actually use these or look for these guys or even use them in fantasy. What about the athletics? Start with the athletics. Uh, Lou Trevino, a couple of saves over the weekend. Uh, Jen, do you think that Trevino is now the new closer for the Yeah, days? I think he does. I mean, he tossed six shutout innings with no walks and eight strikeouts over the second half of June. Um, so, yeah, I think – I think – wait, hold on. No, I, this, that's wrong notes. 4.2 shutout innings, I'm sorry, with seven strikeouts. Um, so I think – I think he is the guy for now, at least. And again, how many saves are you going to get if you're pitching for Oakland? So this is not someone to get thrilled about. But if you need saves, I think Trevino's the guy right now. All right, Ruvain, what do you think? I do, I do agree to that. But I also think that they're trying to build up his value. I think they're going to end up trading Lou Trevino and just use, I think, A.J. Puck. I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago. That I think A.J. Puck is going to slide into that closer role eventually. Remember, they still have... Danny Jimenez, who's on the injured list, he could, he's, according to the to the athletic trainer there, he's supposed to start throwing next week. So he, he didn't have any structural damage in his shoulder. He looked very good when he, came in, when he started closing games. So there's a possibility that Trevino will, will end up getting traded eventually because they, they ain't, the athletics have no reason to keep him. Um, AJ Puck and Danny Jimenez may end up switching and, and splitting up the saves there. Yeah, I think somebody's going to get traded. Uh, that's what the A's do. Uh, I, I would not invest highly in this situation, Mm-mm. but I think Danny Jimenez might be the guy for the long term in this season, uh, only because Trevino could be get traded, and you know he might just assume the role when he gets back. Jimenez, I wouldn't spend money on Trevino on the waiver wire if if that's what you'd want to do. And I don't know that they want to give it to Puck. I mean, they could have any at any point, and they didn't. <sighs> Yeah, and you know what? Over his last seven and two-thirds innings, he's allowed six runs, 14 base runners. You know, he hit three batters. He threw three wild pitches. He's blown two leads. I wouldn't trust A.J. Puck. I think if I were looking anywhere, it might be Domingo Acevedo. I'm not sure if that's how you say his name. I apologize, Domingo, if you're listening to this podcast, because clearly you are. No one misses the Beat the Shift podcast. That's right. Um, But (laughs) he's he's tossed six shutout innings with no walks and eight strikeouts uh, over the second half of June. That's who I was looking at the notes about. I was like, yeah, Trevino is right now, but what about this guy? So, you know, there's other options there. I don't think it's going to be AJ Puck. We do have some major league ball players who do listen to the show. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if you uh, listen to Acevedo, but if you do, give us a shout out. Uh, we'll, we'll try to get you on the show. Uh, Ruvain, the question for you is, uh, you know, the athletics are going to be sellers, if any. I don't know who they're going to really advertise to sell other than the reliever, uh, but uh, let's 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 yeah, yeah, Montas is is obviously the key there. I think the the fantasy question though is, is there anybody who stands to gain playing time? Because that might be a source in in AL only leagues or deeper leagues of some stats. Anybody gonna gain any time? Is there a pitcher that's gonna come up and assume a role or any hitter? I actually think it's going to be a hitter. I mean, Kristen Pache is sitting on the bench, and they, they traded yeah. for him, and, and they got him, and, and they want to see what they have with him. I think he's going to be one guy who's going to get more playing time eventually um, just because I don't. I think the man is trading Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp is an outfielder. He'd be a great fit, I mean, maybe for the Astros. He's, he knows that. He knows a team. He could play, hypothetically, play center field and fill that spot a little bit, and 
you know, he may fit something like that. Ramon Laureano, could he be traded? I don't know who's going to touch him, but a guy like... <laughs> um, the Astros. <laughs> the Astros also, probably. Um, and no. Steven Piscotti, all these guys who are outfield eligible, they can play the outfield, they can get traded. People are looking for corner outfielders. Wink, wink, Yankees, you need a corner outfielder. Um, and any... any uh, Kristen Pache can get playing time. Chad Pinder, you always Pinder. benefits because he plays yes. everywhere. So whoever gets traded, he's going to fill in because I don't think they're going to trade him. Pinder was my reaction too, but your point about Pache is a really, really good one. I think that's a really good call. Yeah, Pache is the internal guy. Uh, it might be Kemp if he's traded. Uh, whoever gets traded will increase their value, obviously. So that's the real answer on that. Uh, AL West predictions. Um, Jen, do you want to give any predictions on something that goes on, maybe a standing prediction or anything? Uh, your floor is yours on the AL West if you want to throw something out there. Oh, man, I guess my, my biggest predictions were simply that um, that Jeremy Pena would win AL Rookie of the Year and Justin Verlander would be in the mix for AL Cy Young, which I guess I already told uh, at the beginning of this podcast that in general, I think the Astros will kind of stay out in front of this division. They impressed me when they did this trip with New York. I thought they were going to get a little bit exposed. I'll be honest, facing the Yankees and the Mets. And they have now officially after tonight's game, we're recording this on Thursday night, um, lead the series with the Yankees. And then they, they showed very well versus the Mets. So I'm, I'm pretty pleased with the team. I think uh, they are going to handily win the division. And I don't really think that any of the ALS teams are going to be a big threat for the wild card even. I've got a question here. Uh, other than the Astros, will any ALS team finish over 500? I, 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 I tend to think no. I, I just think it's really, really bad, and I can't see a pathway for it. I know a lot of people before the season were like, the Seattle Mariners are going to win the division. I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. I, I do. I think the Mariners will end up with the winning record. I don't think they're going to get close to the playoffs. Right now, the Angels and the Mariners are both about five and five and a half out of the wild card because, remember, it is expanded, so they still are technically in the race. But the Mariners... Remember, they they have to play everyone else in that division also. They also have to play each other. And they're going to beat up in each other, and someone's going to come out on top. So you would think that at least one of those teams is going to finish over 500. You'd think that, but they're certainly not there now. Oh, that's that's <laughs> yeah. true. No, I, I I think one of those teams will 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 jump up and and get 82 wins. I I can't tell you who it's going to be. Uh, in terms of the talent, I mean, the Angels have the most talent of the mm -hmm. three. I think. Uh tough um so right now the rangers are only two games uh below 500 they're ahead of the others but i think it might be the angels who might jump up if i had to pick any one of them um hmm. now, last question will the astros win over 100 games no i don't think so really? That's coming mm -hmm. from an Astros fan too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think I think they will just because their division is so bad. They have to play those teams nineteen times, and if they beat up on the Mets and the Yankees, I don't think they'll have much of a problem with the other teams in their division. I mean, that's a good point, but it's really hard to win over a hundred games. I think the Astros will win a hundred games. I think they're going to win one oh one. Mark this, Ow! Jen, when they get one oh one. I love this. Good. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad you guys think that. I want to back your calls. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, uh, waiver wire. Let's do this. Uh, who is a player that you would like to pick up that we should be thinking about picking up this week? Go first, Jeff. Oh, man, there's a few of them out there. Uh, you know, we've probably heard this a million times. If only Alex Kirilov could stay healthy. Um, he seems healthy right now. 
And if he is available in your league, I think he's someone you want to go ahead and put a claim in for. He's We've seen him in 12 games since his recall. He's hitting 333 with six extra base hits, including a home run yesterday. Uh, so this is the Kirillov we've been waiting for, if he can stay healthy, if he's available. And then another guy kind of like is uh, Juan Yepes for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, he's back. He's pouring on the power. He's batting 333 with four homers and four doubles across the last 11 games. And he's got it, you know, real power. His max exit below is top 5% of the league on the season. He's got nine home runs and a 284 batting average. So if you need some pop that won't kill your batting average, Yepes is pretty widely available and he could be your guy. Yeah, I like those picks. Ruben? I was actually going to say Yepes, but then I did a, a, a little digging, and Tyler O'Neill is supposed to start his rehab assignment next week, so he may take a lot of playing time away from Yepes, so that may be an issue. For short term, it's great. For the next week or two, I think it's perfect. But another guy I want to mention is Seth Brown. All the athletics, the last three weeks, he's batting 295 homers, two stolen bases, 13 RBIs, and nine runs, and only 20% owned, has first base eligibility as well as outfield, so he can be moved all over the place, and he's available again in most leagues. And another pitcher I want to mention, Hunter Strickland. If you can stomach a Reds closer, Hunter Strickland <laughs> has three saves in the last 10 days. It looks like he's the go-to or current closer there. Ignore his ERA and whip. They look ungodly. But in the last 10 days or so, he has not allowed almost anything. So he's a hot pitcher right now. You want to take him for saves. If you want to take a Reds team, go for it. If you want a saves guy, you could also look at A.J. Minter with Kenley Jansen yep. on the IL. A.J. Minter's filling in, had the last save. So I'd look at him. Maybe even Will Smith. Uh, I would consider somebody's going to get saves. And Atlanta is, a sadly, a good team for our New York Mets. We hope they lose every game for the rest of the year. But uh, if they don't, A.J. Minter might be the guy. Uh, I do want to uh, put to your attention uh, Nico Horner, 36% mm -hmm. own on CBS. Um, I talk about this a lot. Uh, I, I was listening to the Athletic podcast, and Ian Khan quoted me saying that, uh, like, Chris Taylor is an Ariel Cohn type player where just low, high floor, just a little bit of homers, 10 homers, 15 stolen bases, you know, enough average, enough runs. Well, Nico Horner is looking to be that kind of guy. He's batting 304. That helps you. Four homers, six stolen bases, uh, 24 RBIs, and only 200 at bats this year. Uh, basically, he's like a 10 homer, 15, uh, maybe even 14 homer, uh, 14 stolen base pace. $7 player in Roto. So we're talking about a guy who's nothing special, but these are the guys who win. When you get $7 players playing in $1 slots, that's the guys who do it for you. And it's in every category. So you're not deficient everywhere. Uh, Mar Mark Canna is that type of guy. Uh, Nico Horner, I think, is shaping up to be him. So uh, I love it. Yeah. I just submitted my waiver wire article to SI right before, a few hours before, and Nico Horner and AJ Minter both on the list. So I back go. both those picks. There you go. Uh, there you go. Appreciate it. Uh, we are in agreement. Uh, we also mentioned last week Eddie Rosario is nearing return. Just check him out. He might be very widely available and the dude can hit in a single half of a season. Uh, Jose Miranda, by the way, he is getting more and more playing time. We were very high on him earlier in the year. Uh, he's now had a nice week. Uh, Miranda is a guy to think of. He's also widely available. Um, all right. Time for the pitcher preview. There's not much available out there. It's been a really rough two weeks for pitching, but is there anybody that you can see, Jen, that might be interesting for this week? In two-start pitchers, I, I got to tell you guys something. 
I hate the two-star pitcher game. I, I find it so stressful and I find that it usually doesn't work out. So all the two-star pitchers are, are studs, right? They're already rostered. And anybody who's available on the waiver wire, you know, maybe Hunter Green is still on the waiver wire, but he's facing the Mets and the Rays. I'm not sure that's necessarily a great matchup. I don't trust someone like Dakota Hudson this week. Um, Madison Bumgarner's out there. You know, I look at this and... No, there's no one on this list that, it, that I believe would be available that I'd be willing to take a shot on. All right. Well, that is, uh, <laughs> that is a bold <laughs> saying. <laughs> Don't pick up anybody. Uh, you know, in that case, pick up a middle reliever, you know? Yeah. Pick, pick up a Michael King. Just just get some ratios. Uh, or pick and- up a good pitcher that has one start. But, like, the idea, yeah. I mean, we can debate whether or not this works out or not, but... You know, maybe you could say, okay, Chris Flexen, he's probably available in a lot of leagues and he's got the Padres, but then he's also got the Jays. And I, yeah. I don't, you know, Bad Cole Irvin, the Jays and the Astros, no. Dylan Bundy, the White Sox and the Rangers, maybe. Dylan Bundy's a maybe, I guess. Uh, but none yeah. of these, I'm certainly not excited looking at Patrick Corbin. Proving anybody? Well, I guess there goes my Dylan Bundy pick. I was going to mention Dylan Bundy. Um, it's it's not too bad. He's at the at the, at the White Sox and at the Rangers, which is not horrible. And his last three starts, he's thrown. He's been 19 innings with a 1.89 ERA. The main thing is only three walks in those 19 innings. So maybe he's figured something out. I'm not saying you should go run and roster him, but he's available because only 28% of people on CBS have him. And another guy, another Orioles pitcher. I've seemed to have a thing with Orioles pitchers this year. Dean Kramer. He has not allowed an earned run in his last three starts, and he's got two starts, and that's 19, almost 19 innings. He's got 14 strikeouts over that time, and he's also playing Texas and the Angels. So those aren't horrible starts. It seems like he figured something else as well. So if you have the stomach for those guys, otherwise go after one of those closers like an A.J. Minter. All right, I'm going to say three players. Uh, two Tigers, and this is really at the bottom of the list, but you know if you're desperate, Ronnie Garcia. He's won his last three games in a row. Sub three ERA there. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Michael Pineda um, coming back. He's been good this year when he's pitched. Just coming back. So maybe take a gamble on him. At least pick him up maybe. Uh, maybe he'll be give you some some something for the rest of the year. I don't know. But, you know, you mentioned Patrick Corbin. And I, I'm actually going to suggest that for the certain type of league, you can. So just to give you an example, right now, Ruven and I in an NFBC league, is we're in sixth place, sixth, okay? We're about 20-something points out of the money, all right? Our ERA is trash, but we're at the cusp of gaining points in some wins, at the cusp of gaining points in some strikeouts, okay? Uh, don't think we, we win unless we make good strides in each, and the ERA is torched. Um, Patrick Corbin, he threw 12 strikeouts in his last outing, Yes, it was versus Pittsburgh, but 12 strikeouts is 12 strikeouts. He had a very good outing the time before. Yes, it was versus Baltimore, but maybe those two starts gave him the confidence, and maybe he's turned something, figured out something, I don't know. On the off chance that he has, it's worth picking him up. And just for the strikeouts alone, I mean, Patrick Corbin we know is a strikeout guy. So if ERA is not your concern— he might throw 17, 18 strikeouts in this week. That's going to be a help when you really need it in deep leagues. And by the way, he's he's facing Miami against Braxton Garrett. That could be a, a, a win. Then he's facing Atlanta. All right, not such a good outing. But 
he might rack up a high number of strikeouts. And for the right situation, listen, if you're trailing, if you're in ninth place, what are you going to do, sink lower? Take a gamble in the sky, gain points in your strikeouts. I think that it's not just a blanket, uh, should you pick him up or not, I think for certain types. Now, if you're in first place and your ERA is doing good, just stay far away from Patrick Corbin. But when you need the upside of risk and when the, those categories are way more important than, than the ratio ones, I think Corbin fits. You agree? Anybody? Um, I, my concern with Corbin is in his previous two outings to his, uh, his matchup with the Pirates, he didn't go long enough to even log the possibility of a win. He, you know, four innings pitched, three and a third, and, and that's happened a few times this year. So that's my only concern with him, and that was versus Baltimore, which was not exactly, you know, the hottest team, and they're not a bad team. But So I'm, I'm too nervous, but yes, I agree. If ERA doesn't matter and you just need strikeouts, but I don't know about the, about the win situation. Situation. Um, I don't know. That's to me this game of I have a partner that loves to play two start pitchers. And um, last week he was like, I picked up Zach Davies because he's a two start pitcher. And I was like, but he's still Zach Davies. Right. Yes. <laughs> like that's, I still don't, I, I know. You know, so I have trouble with the two start pitcher thing. I do understand. I play it more like when I'm getting closer to the end and I can really see the finish line and I can see, piece it together that way. But to me, to do it in the middle of the season, it's just, it's not my style. Right. It's, it's the Chris Archer philosophy. You don't care about the ERA and whip, but he'll rack up a ton of strikeouts and hopefully get yeah. you a win. Now, it's, it, it, it's a good point you made that he hadn't gone innings, but he did go eight innings versus Pittsburgh in the start. Mm-hmm. So he just. And 12 strikeouts, which was very yeah. strong. Yeah, that's very yeah. strong. And he has had eight strikeouts, six strikeouts. He had some good strikeout games this season. So, again, I, I, I doubt he's going to be good, but I, he's, he's, been, he's been good before. He and has. And if you're in a situation where you, you need something, why not? Why not get 20 strikeouts potentially in a, in a week? Uh, for him, well, not twenty, uh, sixteen maybe. Uh, I, I think it's worth the gamble where you don't have much to lose, so a little bit of risk there. All right, injury update, Ruvain, take it away. All right, we'll start with Ronald Acuna, who's missed the last couple of games with a foot injury. Um, they were saying that he could be back this weekend, which is a possibility. If he's not back back this by this weekend, there's also a possibility he'll be placed on the IL and they'll backdate it just so he can get another couple of days to rest. Tyler Naquin. He began a rehab assignment. He should be back sometime this week. He has similar numbers to the guy I mentioned, Seth Brown. So if he's available in your re- in your league, try to get him. Ty France is already hitting in the batting cage. Scott Service remains hopeful that he'll be only f- spending about 10 days on the injured list, and that's it. Frank Schwindel has been easing back into baseball activities. He, his back acted up on him again earlier this week. He's been showing a little bit of improvement, but he's still got no timeline for return. And three big ones. Fernando Tatis, he's starting to swing hopefully in two weeks, so we're starting to get a sort of a timetable when he's coming back. Jacob deGrom, possible rehab assignment this coming Sunday. How Keep many? Going. They said maybe four starts. If he makes four starts, I don't. my opinion on this is that he should make two or three starts, make the fourth start, and start rehabbing in the, minor, in the majors. Why are you wasting his healthy innings in the minors? There's no reason to. And Bryce Harper, surgery on his thumb, out for two months. Another question: If he, if the Phillies are out and he's and he's first coming back and rehabbing, let's say in, in mid-August, end of August, don't you just shut him down and have him do the elbow surgery and be healthy for next year? Yeah, I would. <laughs> I don't think the Phillies are going to be able to do this without uh, Bryce Harper. Um, so yeah, that's what I would do. 
but but at least Jen, you have good news for for your Jacob Degrom share that you have because he <sighs> will be coming I, back. I'm so excited. I have a couple. I have him in Tout, and I have him in GDD, and I also have Tatis in GDD. So that's been a disappointment. Being patient, but um, I'm just hopeful that he's going to give me one or two good months and that he will come back. But we'll see. It was a gamble. So we we'll have uh, we have Degrom in in a lot, including that NFBC league that we're in. We have Degrom in that one also. That's our ace in the hole, right? Uh, I Hopefully. Mean, yeah, uh, we have a lot of share. It's funny. I was so uh, risk averse, but you know when the price was you know ten to twelve, yeah. thirteen dollars, uh, exactly. And no, and 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 we didn't. We picked him when he was in spring training throwing. Like, yeah. oh, he had three great outings in a row. Everything looked good. Thirteen dollars. Why not? Uh, I'll take a half a year. Uh, exactly. We, we we thought it wouldn't be on the front end. We thought he'd be maybe injured later, but. Uh, and the day we drafted him in in NFBC. That afternoon, he was placed on the aisle with the with the shoulder injury. Yeah, so that's what it is in fantasy baseball. A lot of luck. I mean, we we talk uh, about the top of the show with the head to head format, but you know, injuries really these days are the biggest source of luck. I think. All right. Well, that is the end of our show. Um, thank you very much, Jen, for coming. Uh, this was a fantastic episode. A uh, really great run around My the uh, the AL West and some good waiver wire pickups. So. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And can you tell everybody uh, where we can find you, where we can uh, read your stuff, and uh, all things Jen Piacenti? Oh, yeah. You can read me at si.com under both the fantasy and betting. I will be there for the rest of the baseball season and then picking up some NFL coverage there. You can also listen to me occasionally on Sirius XM. I know that I'll be hosting a show, for instance, on July 13th. Uh, So, yeah, tune in and follow me on Twitter, and I'll always post my schedule there at Jen Piacenti. Amazing. Are you working with uh, Ronis? Uh, no, I, I need to spend more time with Ronit. He's one of my favorite people in the world. No, that show, I believe, is myself and Justin Fenstrom in that night. Ah, Fenstrom, yeah. Uh, Ronis came out and actually played a softball game with me in my league last year. Ronis is one of my favorite humans, honestly. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's great. Fantastic. He is. So smart, so cool, and just a really good guy. He is, definitely. Uh, all right, Ruvain, uh, how about your stuff? You can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet out injury updates as they come out, next person up, and everything like that. You can also catch my weekly article for Rotoballer that comes out every Saturday to discuss all the injuries I talked about in the show as well as others. All right, and I'm Ariel Cohen. You can read my stuff over at Fangraphs, over at Rotoballer. You can see me at ATCNY on Twitter, and of course, listen to me on this show, the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangraphs each and every week. Hope you had a fun time listening to our show today. Uh, we are almost in the halfway stretch. It's almost the All-Star game, and uh, hopefully you're doing well in your fantasy leagues. And, of course, stick with us right here. We'll get you the most important information on how you can strategize to win each and every week. And we really appreciate you listening. We really do. Uh, we don't say it all the time, but we really do appreciate it. So thank you very much. All right, once again, thanks to Jen Piacenti of SI.com. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And from all of us here at Beat the Shift, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at Beat underscore shift underscore pod.